0: line is a production of the cycling independent with support from our generous subscribers and from Shimano, North America.
1: From The Cycling Independent, this is the Paceline Tandem, a special production of our regular show. I'm your host, John Lewis, and today I'm having a conversation with my friend, Julian Wall, who is one of the principals at Cycle Fit in London, the UK's premier bicycle studio, and much, much more. Regular listeners will recall just last month when we spoke with Julian's co director at Cycle Fit, Phil Cavell about his work with aging athletes. This week, we're talking to Julian about working with pro tour cyclists, what's up with their weird bike fits, and how they're different or even the same as bike riders like you and me. Uh, Jules, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Lovely to see you. We've just been through uh, a long stretch of tech support. I I feel bonded to you.
2: Well it's not it's uh, tech isn't my strength I'd would say so uh um I have to say to Phil thanks for his help but um yeah he said just plug the microphone in
1: Bob says it's, right. it's a
2: bit more complicated than that
1: a little bit well I don't know if you listened to our conversation with Phil but he he had a lot of nice things to say about you uh do you want to go ahead and say nice things about him now just to get it out of the way uh well he's just making a cup of tea behind me so
2: um uh yeah i can say that yes i I did listen to that podcast and it was uh it was very complimentary i would say um we do bring different things to the company i'm a bit more nuts and bolts and feels a little bit more ethereal than me sees things a bit differently and i think having that balance has, has helped us quite a lot over over time and he seems very popular with other, with people which helps him sell a lot of bikes.
1: <laughs> he is he he has that charisma but I, I I think you have your own flavor of charisma I think and we'll try to get to some of that today. Um so cycle fit is a a many tentacled beast uh and you and Phil have your hands in a lot of different projects. How did that all come to pass? How do you explain all the things you're working on, sort of from fitting regular customers to integrating physiotherapy and podiatry into your services? You, you design your own bikes, you sell bikes, you fit pros. How does, how has that all come to pass and how do you fit it together?
2: Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Really, I guess what we try and do is we want to try and offer the, the best service we can for our customers whether that's pros or normal people and to we can we can offer us you know like 60 to 70 percent of, of maybe a bike fitting solution but uh, in a lot of cases we found that uh, with some clients we couldn't resolve all their issues and then we pulled in um, advice from physios and podiatrists chiropractors so over time it's sort of, we sort of evolved our i think one of the problems for bike fitters is If you try and master everything, then you just just make a complete mess of everything. So we realized quite soon we were quite good at some things, but we had to get other people into to fill in the gaps.
1: It it seemed that takes um, a a lot of the people I know would just do the specialist service half as well as the specialist. But one of the things that I see is unique about CycleFit is that you – really don't mind getting out of the way of people who are, have more specialty in an area than you have. So you bring people in, you're quite open about bringing people in. Uh, do you know what, when we first started doing our
2: courses, we started doing teaching courses a long time ago. We had, uh, we had a few physios come on. Uh, so we had like the likes of Phil Burt and Graham Anderson from balance um, and they sort of, what they could bring to the table was, you know, they've been to college for seven years. And to be honest, I've got a degree in photography um, and I'm not a very good photographer, but, you know, they are specialists in their, in their field. So once we've fitted someone, we've got them as close as we can, but there may be some tightness in some part of their body, then we, those people are the ones we need to refer the customer to, see if they can fix them and then refit them afterwards or, you know, make the adjustments.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's it's a quite holistic approach relative to most bike fitters i
2: think uh i guess we're lucky as well in that we've got uh, a full workshop as well so um with a lot of issues say like with a physio is bike fitting they probably fit on a bike and then make try and make a few adjustments but if you need to change components then you are you're going to run into trouble because not very many physiotherapy companies are set up for that sort of thing so we're lucky in that we can we can pull in a mechanic we can change handlebars stems crank lengths pedal widths Um, if we get a sticky cleat we can get the mechanic to change it so not only is it the, the physio side of things but the mechanical side of things that's really
1: important as well Mm, mm. and how How? i mean you're in central london how how important is being there to being able to bring all of these uh specialists to bear
2: um it is i mean we have, i mean central london you've got hundreds and hundreds of clinics and things um, and we've been doing this quite a long time 20 years so I think London is good in that we can we've got a lot of resources to draw on, and generally I don't want to uh, you know diss the rest of the country, but you generally the best in the country come to London um, as as like us. Uh, so uh, yeah, we've got some very good talent around us. I mean, we've got Harley Streets just around the corner, um, mm. so and English Institute uh, got another place up on Tottenham Court Road, which is good, and lots of private clinics. So. So, yeah, I think we are, we are very
1: lucky. And how many of the, the sort of specialists you work with now? So I, I know that you and Phil met in racing days, yes? yes? Years and years and years ago? Yeah, I sold him his first road bike a long time ago. Uh, and you, you raced it at Beastway and, and uh, some of the other big spots around the city? Yeah, so
2: we had... Um, so we had Eastway, as it was now, where the Olympic Stadium is. It's on top of it. Um, mm. And then we got um, Hillingdon Cycle Circuit, Crystal Palace, which is a park with a little circuit. Of it. So those were the three circuits. And then we just raced mm-hmm. around, the, um, around the outskirts of the city. And Phil used to do mm-hmm. a time uh, a Club 10 on a Wednesday night on the A10, which, which mm-hmm. he wouldn't do now. It would be too dangerous. But back in the day, that was the thing.
1: And how many of the the physios and people uh, that you work with were racing around the city at that point? None of them. None of them. No. So you've pulled them in. You've pulled them in after.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, Graham, our, our friend Graham from Balance Physio, he came on one of our courses because he was he was trying to fix cyclists, but every time they got back on their bike. They got injured again. And then he realized that um, adjusting the bike would make his job a lot easier because he would Uh be taking away the problem. And then that became – we had like a joint referral system with him. And Mm -hmm. so that's how he's first started working with physios. Um, uh, Now we work with uh, Nicola Roberts from uh, Velo Physio. And she's she's a bike – she does bike fit in the south, but she's more of a specialist bike – cyclist physio so she's but she has a clinic with us once a week, so shes and again, we have a cross referral she you know she sends people to us vice versa mm-hmm.
1: um uh so Phil, you said, Phil is the ethereal one, he brings more of the 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 dream and the vision, and you're you're more nuts and bolts. He gives you credit for having the exact right temperament for fitting pro racers, which he doesn't care for. What what do you think about it is about your approach, and why do you think it works?
2: Um, I, I I'm not sure really. I think it's just it's about uh, you can't. Well, the, the rider's got to buy into the um, the process first of all. So in the past we've done fits for riders in teams that have just been shoved towards us to, to be fitted. And then they go through the process and then they walk away and then they get the mechanics to change the bike back to where it was, um, <laughs> which is, you know, it is, it's still a problem. Um, but, you know, you just talk to that. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not quite, I'm not really in your face as a person. So I'm not, I'm sort of there in the background and I sort of, it's, just, it's a tricky one. You have to sort of, you know, because we did the riders last week at EF and you have to sort of say, hello, I'm blah, blah. I'm going to, hello, how are you? And this is what we you know, just explain what you're going to do. But just keep it low key, I think is the thing. And then explain to them what you're doing. And if they want to make those changes, then we'll make the changes. But you don't want to have a big ego going in and trying to, you know, solve all their problems in one go
1: and do you do you like working with them
2: well you know i'm a i'm a big fan of cycling so and i think if you're working with pros you you know you've reached you know that's the it's as high as you can get with your career i guess if you can call it a career so i I do (laughs) like to work at that level because it's very exacting it's very demanding and you know i run a business and there's lots of spreadsheets and there's lots of cash flow and now when, when you're working with the riders, you're just working with the riders, you know, you're not, you're just focused on what you're doing, just, which is just bike fitting.
1: Yeah. So, I, and I understand that as a matter of practice, you don't really talk about your pro clients in the context of your everyday work at CycleFit out of concern for everyone's privacy, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Um, are you able to talk about which pros, maybe in the past, that you have most enjoyed working with uh, and what results you were part of that you feel proud about? Um, I guess a long time
2: ago, we worked with Tom Pidcock before the junior worlds. So he came to us with back pain. So we adjusted his bike about two or three weeks before uh, and then he won it. The world. Junior champs, which is good. And then we did his time trial position for the junior world TT champs, and he won that as well, which is good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in you know, we, so we, you know, I made a recommendation to shorten his cranks from 170 to 165. Um, and then off he went, and then he won it. And then about a year later, I said, Did you ever change those cranks? He went, Yeah, yeah, I changed them. But you, you know, that was nice to know that he'd actually listened. Um, yeah. But you don't always get the feedback. I suppose that's the, uh, I guess the thing you want is you want to make them feel better and you want them to help them perform. Uh, and then if, if that does work out, then you get your job satisfaction.
1: Right. And so if you, when you're watching the, the world tour races now, I presume you watch them all. Um, you, do you, do you have riders in every race that you're, you're thinking like, well, I fit him, but, or, or, or her, uh, but they, they haven't, <laughs> they put the bike back to the way it was.
2: Um, sometimes you see riders, uh, I mean, I mean, with like riders, a lot of the stuff, uh, is down to their shoes, what they do with their shoes and their orthotics and footbeds. So you can, you can get a rider set up. But over time, he's try- you know, they're always trying different solutions and looking at different things. So sometimes you might see their knee trackings off or you're wondering, well, have they still got their footbeds in or have they taken them out? What's going on? But um, you could probably say in most pelotons, we've probably got 20 or 30
1: riders of different ages riding around, which is mm-hmm. good to see. And, and do you, I assume you feel good when one of them wins. Of course, yes. That's always the goal. Yeah. I perceive the pros, I don't, I don't, I can't say I know any pro cyclists, but I perceive them as sort of uniquely neurotic uh, bike riders. Uh, Maybe they run the spectrum in reality. How how would you say, maybe psychologically, they're different than, than normal people?
2: Um, I don't think they're that different. In, in many cases, I don't think they're, they're that different than to a businesswoman or a businessman. They're all very driven people. I think cyclists, uh, for a lot of the time, attracts people that are very that want to achieve. You know, if you you know, you just with our own clients uh, that always wanted to, to you know be their you know FTP is you know getting a high FTP is their goal. Um, so I think with cyclists there is a. There is that side to, th- to the to the individual, and I think with cyclists, pro cyclists, they've just chosen chosen that different path. So they're like, okay, I'm going to go and race a bike. I've got I've got good VO2 um, max. I've got the ge- you know the genetics. I'm going to go down this path. Whereas they could have taken different routes, um, but I would say with. With a pro cyclist, you know, you can have you know, you've got their public persona and then you get into the fit studio with them and it's it's very different because Mm -hmm. they they know any change you're gonna make, they they've only got a short period of time to adapt, and if they can't adapt, the season's already started and they might maybe they've got to go back to square one. So those changes you do make have to be quite precise. They have to understand what's going on. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it's quite serious business, I would say. Whereas in a, some fittings here at Cycle Fit, you know, it's, it's more relational and it's more—it's a fun experience. But with the pros, it can get—it's not serious, but we have to get it. You have to be 100 percent
1: you've got it right. And do you find some of them are very resistant to change? Um, not
2: uh, only in the past when we were we sort of been shoehorned in by certain brands to make changes, um. If they've got a problem, they come and see you, and they will look for a solution. We might tell them what the cause is, uh, and make suggestions, and then it's up to them if they make the changes. That I would say, because mm-hmm. they're cons- they're like, well, actually, I've won two races this year, and I get really bad saddle sores on my right on the right side of my pubic rami. But if I change, will I lose my power? And you don't know that until you're back in that race. So there's that there's always that anxiety, and I guess. I would say there's more anxiety with the pros than there is with the the more amateur rider. Mm,
1: mm. Um, One of of Phil's favorite tricks you do is on the fly fit analysis while watching a race.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm always looking. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, I am not a bike fitter, but I often am looking at a race and thinking who has set that person up on their bicycle because it looks absolutely awful. Do you also have that view or am I wrong? Yes.
2: Yeah. Sometimes you've got to question um, how they've got so far and achieved so much in such a bad, in such a bad (laughs) biomechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are succeeding despite themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they probably haven't got, they haven't got the best biomechanics, you know, even off the bike. So they've, but they've, you know, they've got a massive engine and they've managed their, how they sit and how they pedal on the bike t- to generate that power. So, I mean, there's all, you know, there's, there's hundreds of them out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's, um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back to more of this in
0: just a moment. We are brought to you, in part, by Shimano North America and their new GRX 12-speed mechanical groupset. Shimano is the originator of gravel-specific components, and the new GRX mechanical is the next step in their evolution. Rooted in simplicity, reliability, and adventure, the new GRX lineup offers three unique 12-speed mechanical drivetrain options, along with unrivaled ergonomics without an over the top price available in two different 1 by chainring options and one 2 by chainring option the new GRX 12 speed mechanical series delivers the freedom to choose how and where to ride
1: and we are back all right Jules why why do you think so many of the pros have bad bike fits is it that the teams haven't arranged for it Do you think uh, the riders themselves have something that they think works and they don't want to change it? Because this is always the big question for me. I'm watching a race. I'm thinking, how is that person gotten themselves in that position? It makes absolutely no sense. And they're at the very top of the sport. There's no other sport uh, that I watch where bad mechanics uh, persist at such a high level.
2: I think historically, uh, bike fitting hasn't, you know, a good position hasn't been associated with good performance. I think the teams are looking at other aspects, you know, like power output, nutrition, what sort of pillows you're going to use in a Grand Tour? whereas they, whereas they're not taking a holistic view and saying, okay, so my rider can generate 450 Watts for 20 minutes. Um, how, if we change his bike fit, how much more can he generate? How much more training load can he take over six months? And how much better can he be? So it's, it's, I'd say it's almost ignored. I'd say most pro riders have their own bike fitter at home, like someone they've been with as a junior. Um, they've got all sorts of weird things going on in their shoes. I saw someone with uh, he had Soulstar insoles, which posts the fifth met, so it rotates the foot inwards, and then he put it on an external wedge on the outside of the shoe sort of canceled everything out because he was trying to straighten his legs out and he was just doing that at home. That was his thing, you know, and yeah. he, he rode for a well-tour team. So um, I, don't, I don't think the teams are owning the bike fit side of things enough, you know, and there are a lot of teams out there. You can look at the
1: riders, you're like, oh, <clears throat> what is going on there? You know. Do you worry about some of them long-term? I mean, I think if cycling injuries – unless you've crashed, they all seem like repetitive use injuries, right? You're, you're positioned incorrectly and then you cycle through, even if, even if for one rotation or one cycle, that isn't an injurious position over time, it becomes one. So. Yes. I mean,
2: mostly I'd probably say, you could say they can get away with it, but maybe in the grand tours when they've been riding for two and a half, two weeks, that's when they're struggling. That's when they're trying to find a solution that may, uh, maybe they could have resolved back in January or December. If back they been in a, training camp. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at Van der Poel last year with his back pain, you're like, well, uh, he's got back pain. But anyone who looks at him riding, they go, well, his saddle's a bit high. It's not. It's not an obvious. It's a. It's not like it's a real. It's a secret. It's it's, it's, ob- it's an obvious thing. You can see right. the way he moves, and that and you're like, Well, I mean, maybe there is somebody looking at it, maybe he's resolved it, but in, it, the basics need to be done
1: um when the riders come in. And but in a situation like that, so his saddle is too high, and in, in so he has opinion. back pain anyway. I've got it, I yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, so his saddle appears to be a little high, he has we think we conjecture that he has back pain as a result. But maybe someone has said, but he generates more power that way. Yes. And we'll we'll make that sacrifice in the short term and win some races and deal with the injury later. Yeah, and he's a world champion. So. Right. Let's go and
2: see the physio. Let's go and do, you know, go to this whatever. Maybe we can resolve
1: it. Maybe we can manage it and carry on as we are. Right. Maybe there's some uh, sense of these people are young and you know resilient and they can deal with inflammation and injury over time whereas you and i would be done for the season yes these, but they can only handle that for
2: so long so as as i you know maybe as they get to the late 20s early 30s then their their window of accommodating that that those those that those movements may be reduced and that's when you know then they're coming to the end of their career that's when you know so deal with it earlier Deal it with it when they're juniors, under twenty threes, and then that should carry them through to the for the rest of their
1: their career. Eddie Merckx, you know, famously had back uh, pain and all sorts of things, especially as he got into his thirties, that I think limited his career. Do you think? Do you think a good bike fitter could, would have made Eddie Merckx even more dominant than he already was? That's uh, a total. <laughs> hypothetical
2: i think uh, i mean the eddie Merckx. he was a, he was he adjusted a lot he had a leg length discrepancy didn't he so he's always trying to find that place and he probably moved his saddle around two or three mil every month yeah. or every two weeks but you know everyone's in that place where um, you've got that little window of adjustment and you, you do it over time so like one of our fitters uh here Jimmy, he uses tubeless tires, and he's running at 70 PSI. But he feels like his saddle's lower now because the tire's softer than it used to be when he was at 95. So he's put his saddle on mm-hmm. to accommodate, you know, put more pressure. So if you're sensitive to, to those, that position, then you, you'll always be looking for that ideal place.
1: You know, you'll make that little change. Can't help yourself. <laughs> well, you, you say that, but, you know, we were having a, an email exchange last week or the week before about a a particular very high level uh pro Mm. whose position looks awful this person is famously famously looks terrible on a bike despite having won some very big races five what's that i think he won five at least five yeah at least five um you were saying that he should be able to perceive a millimeter difference in saddle height, n- not 10 millimeters. Um, yeah, I, I think
2: once, I mean, they're on the bike 20 hours a week. So any change they will notice. So if a saddle, a, a saddle starts to sag, it's, you know, the, it might feel too low. So a rider's going to change it over time, but they will, they will notice Some don't, you know, it's down to the individual, but for that size, I think it was 10 or 20 mil too long or something like that. I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to reach the brake levers, would you? You'd have to need to make that change, pretty right? Quick. And the mechanics would know anyway,
1: they shouldn't have set it like that. But and it's crazy because it's vi- like it's v- visually apparent. Uh, what you
2: mean, his overall position, or is
1: yes, his overall position? I think
2: he looks better now. Uh, now that he's come back from his injury than he did before, I just think he looks, I think his saddles looks
1: a bit higher. It doesn't look like he's dropping his heels as much. So, so talking about the pros, I mean, obviously you work with some of them and, and, and um, you see others and have thoughts. Uh, are, have you ever seen a pro rider where, where you think, if I, if I could spend an hour with that person, I could, I could turn them into a race winner? Yes. Well, not a
2: race winner, but I think they'd have a much better time on their bike than they currently do. Mm-hmm. His name escapes me at the moment, but it'll come to me. He's a French rider. Uh, rides up hills fairly quickly, but not quite as quick as the lead guys. Mm-hmm. But, but if you look at him riding, I mean, he's he looks his knees and legs are all over the place so maybe you could tidy him up a little bit so he's got you can pedal smoother he's got better interaction with his shoes and then he maybe go a little bit easier yeah you could you think you could put him in the front group well i think all these things add up yeah i think um you've got to you've got to tick every box
1: and make sure everything's working right so you've done work with Team GB uh, for World Championships and Olympics, yeah? A little bit, um, not not notes,
2: but because uh, we're no. not officially sanctioned, you see.
1: I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering <clears throat> because it seems as though. Um, uh, you know going back to the team sky days uh and and uh dave brailsford bringing in sort of this idea of marginal gains and looking at all of this these little ways to gain advantages mm-hmm. uh but that that doesn't that approach doesn't seem to have fully permeated the pro peloton yet no
2: no i think i mean we we i had an appointment with a, a, a lad who's on the gb academy this morning and he's never had a bike fit ever mm, so ever. so why are you taking on all this all this prodigious talent and not setting them up on their bikes what's the point of writing a training program uh if their saddle's too low It just just doesn't make any sense to me i mean that should be the first thing if the rider comes in do the fitting get their position record it so they know what's going on and then you go on to the other aspects of the training Um, Mm -hmm. that's what I'd say I feel quite strongly about that John I don't think I don't think the the riders are best served and I think the women less so than the men
1: yeah the thing about it and maybe the reason I keep bringing coming back to it is because it seems so obvious Um, it seems so obvious and now I come from a custom bike background where fitting is key to uh, you know the way you build bikes when you build a custom bike, but it seems like the stakes are so much higher with the pros. I can't, I just can't imagine that every team doesn't have an on staff fitter uh, attending to all of these things. Uh,
2: well, th- well, the thing is, for the, if you look at the training camps and things, you've got thirty riders if you were to fit every rider and give them the time they needed, that's, and orthotics, that's three hours per rider. And on the training mm-hmm. camps, you don't have time to give them that much attention. So you have to do it out, out, of, out of the team camp. So do you have somebody on staff? Um, I don't know. Um, but I just think, I've lost my thread now, but um, I think having the bike fitter on hand could lead to having adjustments every day and then the mechanics have got to make the adjustments and then the adjustments have got to be recorded so you at some point you get that great fitting at the beginning maybe one follow-up but after that you've 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 got to bond with your bike you've got to get used to each other i think if you had yeah. a bike fitter on hand every day you'd be moving levers and tweaking cleats yeah. you know too much too much yeah
1: I see. Um, well, you've just come back from EF training camp, yeah? Yes, yeah. And 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 so, what does a typical day at a pro training camp look like for you? We have a nice breakfast.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have a nice lunch. Um, no, so uh, what you get? We've got our little diary of plan. And you you look at it, and you go, okay. So the riders are riding this morning, and they're going to come in this afternoon, and we're going to do X, Y, you know, him, her, him, blah, blah, blah. And then I've got we've got so just to set the picture, we've got the, we've got the huge dining hall. Uh, so with EF last year, we had half the dining hall, and now they've got mm-hmm. now they've got the women's team. We've got a quarter of the dining hall because it's like on the first weekend, it was 160 people, you know, with staff and sponsors and riders. Uh, so we're down the end there, and there's, there's me and Vaughan, uh, a guy who works with me, got a little fit bike. Uh, and then next to us is uh, Mick Habgood, who makes his orthotics and custom shoes. And then in the corner, we've got Peter, who does, the, he does more stuff like aero resistance scanning, TT positions. So there's three of us in there, and then we have a, our diary. But what happens is... Generally, as a, a rider will come back, some of the newer riders, and then we're left we'll to sort of piggyback appointments on top of the set appointments. So, at some points, you've got like two or three riders spinning in the same room, and you're trying mm-hmm. to work your way between them, give them all, give them the same attention, and resolve everything in forty-five minutes. So, right, you know, you can't sort of swan around and you know, do that sort of you know. So you have to be quite precise. Deal with the
1: issue and then get them sorted. So, and will will you see? Do you touch every rider? I don't mean physically touch, but do you interact with every rider on the team during a, a camp like that, or are some of them just they're set, they don't want to see you. It's fine.
2: Yeah, the latter. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see some. We see the new riders, get them um, organized, because you've also got a, you know, it's a it's a big logistical business, you've got to get five bikes each, two time trial bikes, you know, you've got to get everything sorted. So the guys in the background have got to build all the bikes, get all the right components. So a lot of our work is making sure the bikes are set up properly for the riders, um, mm-hmm. bars, stems, you know, crank lengths, um, some riders are already set. They're uncomfortable. They're comfortable or We might have seen in the year before. Uh, and then some riders don't really buy, got their own fitters at home that they want to use and. So you respect that and then, you
1: know, it, it, we don't force ourselves. We're not forced onto them. So, mm-hmm. so the team hasn't prescribed everyone needs this. Uh, it, you're just a resource there for the riders who want your help.
2: Yes. Or, or if a rider's got discomfort or issues, then we have a look at them and then feedback to the team
1: and to the rider what we think might help. Yeah. And how much uh, – so you go to training camp uh, and you come back. Uh, I understand it was an, a grueling affair this year. Um, how long, much yeah. does the – what's that? It was a long drive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we go from Girona. Where was
2: it? Girona to the UK. So it's about 15 hours or something. Mm. So we just survive on Haribos and podcasts.
1: <laughs> that's all, that's <laughs> yeah. How, how much is the team back in touch with you for guidance throughout the season?
2: Um, well, we do we normally do a, um, a camp in January as well, just as a bit of a follow-up, just to check a few things. And that, But if any of the medical staff have a rider with an issue, then they, they refer them to us. And generally, they send them over to London and we look at them in London. So it just depends mm-hmm. if there's problems with the riders so saddle sores back pain knee pain but mm-hmm. ideally now you know everyone we've, who hasn't seen us is okay everyone we've seen should be okay so there shouldn't be really be any issues now shouldn't no as, long as they should is a fu- it's a funny word should isn't it yeah I don't want, yeah yeah as long as everything stays as
1: it should be we well, should be okay right it should. <laughs> So they say uh, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Does this extend to bike fitters as well? How how often do you update your position or make changes to your fit? Uh, saddle, I fiddle around with a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but that's only um, depending on the... Because I like to try different saddles. So it just depends how soft the saddle is. That'll change the saddle height. But what I try... the. At my age, the problem is more me than the bike fit. So if, right. I, if I look at the bike fit to try and resolve my issues, that's not the right answer. I have to do my exercises and my maintenance
1: to better function with the bike. And what, what, so what is, your, what is your sort of regular exercise f- um, flexibility, etc.? What, what are you doing? What should, what should the rest of us, because we're all of an age... Yes. Yeah. What should we be doing? Uh, Well, do you you think we should do weights twice a week,
2: minimum really, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the bone density and sarcopenia and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and then just like single leg squats. And then, you know, lunges, you know, bench, all the big muscle, just focus on the big muscle groups. It only takes half an hour, 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. But that two to three times a week is probably as good as going out on your bike. So it, it, little, little and often is better than nothing and then going out for three hours on a Saturday, unless you right. really, unless you, that's all you've got time for and you really enjoy it and that's your thing. But generally, smaller blocks at our age is better. So.
1: And do you do any flexibility work as well?
2: Uh, I do a little bit, but I'm fairly flexible anyway, so that's sort of – but um, I do some stretches after my session, so um, – I used to do this. I used to have this app called Freeletics, which isn't free. Mm -hmm. So obviously they got fifty quid out of me. But that was quite good because that would give you lots of body weight exercises. You didn't really know what was coming next, and you were like, "Christ, have I got? Am I going to do that?" And then you do it, and you stick to it, and it becomes easier. So it's just the repetition; these things is important.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but you would say you would say generally that um, people over forty should be doing some weight work. Uh, all the time? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, running's a
2: tr- over 40, running's tricky, unless you're a natural. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd say, yeah, yeah at least you know, a couple of times a week if you've got the time.
1: Right. And, and for people over 40, how often would you have them, would you recommend one of your clients come back to have their fit looked at?
2: Uh. I would. We normally say uh, just have a review once a year. So, okay. Um, and over time, it, you, I, I've got. A, I call it positional drift. So you mm-hmm. you buy different bikes, different components, change things, and then you sort of lose where you were, in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's both. It's both coming back and then reviewing everything, checking everything, and then seeing what adjustments might need to be made. So so a bike for every three years, a review every eighteen months depending on how much you ride. But as you get older, the more, your frequency should increase because up to 55 is a general decline. Past that, bang, you're dropping off a cliff. So it's, <laughs> personally speaking. Have you dropped off the cliff? Yes. You look pretty fit. No, I'm, I'm not, actually. Um, uh, I've sort of let, the, let it go, but I mean, the food was so good at the camp. I mean, we only managed one ride before we started, so. Um, we need team camps in the summer, so we get light evenings, then it'd be nice. But unfortunately
1: yeah. it's dark. So <laughs> well that's uh, that's what the that's all the time we have for today. I appreciate your time and your insight very much. Um as as ever, thanks to everyone for listening to this Paceline Tandem special episode. You can support the show by subscribing to The Cycling Independent. You can find out more about CycleFit at cyclefit.co.uk. On Cycling Independent, we have an array of affordable subscription options. Check those out. It's how we keep our advertising to a minimum and the bike talk front and center. You can learn more uh, in the store at thecyclingindependent.com. Jules, John, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Nice speaking to you. A real pleasure, and we'll talk again soon. Cheers. Cheers.